Book Twelve of the Iliad of Homer, rendered into English blank verse by Edward, Earl of Derby. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. For reader Michael Armenta. Argument: The Battle at the Grecian Wall. The Greeks having retired into their entrenchments hector attempts to force them but it proving impossible to pass the ditch polydemus advises to quit their chariots and manage the attack on foot the trojans follow his counsel and having divided their army into five bodies of foot begin the assault but upon the signal of an eagle with a serpent in his talons which appeared on the left hand of the trojans polydemus endeavours to withdraw them again this hector opposes and continues the attack in which after many actions sarpedon makes the first breach in the wall hector also casting a stone of a vast size forces open one of the gates and enters at the head of his troops who victoriously pursue the grecians even to their ships thus o'er the wounded chief eurypolis watched in his tent manetius noble son but hand to hand the greeks and trojans fought nor longer might the ditch the assault repel nor the broad wall above which greeks had built to guard their ships and round it dug the ditch but to the gods no hecatombs had paid that they the ships and all the stores within might safely keep against the will of heaven the work was done and thence not long endured while hector lived and peleus's son his wrath retained and priam's city untaken stood so long the grecian wall remained entire but of the trojans when the best had fallen of greeks when some were slain some yet survived when the tenth year had seen the fall of troy and greeks embarked had ta'en their homeward way then neptune and apollo counsel took to sap the wall by aid of all the streams that seaward from the heights of ida flow rhesus caresus and heptapris granicus and isipus rhodius scamander's stream divine and simois where helms and shields lay buried in the sand and a whole race of warrior demigods these all apollo to one channel turned nine days against the wall the torrent beat and jove sent rain continuous that the wall might sooner be submerged while neptune's self his trident in his hand led on the stream 
washing away the deep foundations laid laborious by the Greeks with logs and stone, now by fast-flowing Hellespont dispersed. The wall destroyed, o'er all the shore he spread a sandy drift, and bade the streams return to where of old their silver waters flowed. Such were in future days to be the works of Neptune and Apollo. But meanwhile fierce raged the battle round the firm-built wall, and frequent clattered on the turret's beams the hostile missiles. By the scourge of Jove subdued, the Greeks beside their ships were hemmed, by Hector scared, fell minister of dread, who with the whirlwind's force, as ever, fought. As when by dogs and hunters circled round a boar or lion in his pride of strength, turns on his foes, while they in close array stand opposite, and frequent shoot their darts, nor yet his spirit quails, but firm he stands with suicidal courage. Swift he turns, where best to break the circling ranks, where ere he makes his rush, the circling ranks give way. So Hector, here and there, amid the crowd, urged his companions on to cross the ditch. The fiery steeds shrank back, and, snorting, stood upon the topmost brink, for the wide ditch withheld them, easy nor to leap nor cross, for steep arose on either side the banks, and at the top with sharpened stakes were crowned, thick-set and strong, which there the sons of Greece had planted to repel the invading foes. Scarce might a horse, with well-wheeled car attached, essay the passage. But on foot they burned to make the attempt, and thus Polydamus, approaching near to valiant Hector, spoke. Hector, and all ye other chiefs of Troy, and brave allies, in vain we seek to drive our horses o'er the ditch, Tis hard to cross, tis crowned with pointed stakes, And them behind is built the Grecian wall. There to descend, and from our cars in narrow space to fight, Were certain ruin. If it be indeed the will of Jove, high thundering, To confound the Greeks in utter rout, and us to aid, I should rejoice that every Greek forthwith, far from his home, should fill a nameless grave. But should they turn, and we again be driven back from the ships, and hurried down the ditch, such were our loss, that scarce a messenger would live to bear the tidings to the town of our destruction by the rallied Greeks. Hear then my counsel. Let us all agree, with our attendants here upon the bank, to leave our horses, and ourselves on foot, 
all armed, press on where Hector leads. The Greeks, if that their doom be nigh, will make no stand. Thus spoke Polydamus, his counsel pleased, and Hector sprang in arms from off his car, nor long the noble Hector, when they saw, delayed the other chiefs. Then gave command, each to his own attendant, by the ditch, to keep the chariots all in due array. Then, parting, formed in order of attack in five divisions with their several chiefs. Round Hector thronged, and bold Polydamus, the best and bravest, they who longed the most to storm the wall and fight beside the ships. With them Sabriones, for Hector left to guard the horses, one of lesser note. The next division was by Paris led, Agenor and Alcathus, the third by Helenus and brave Deiphobus, two sons of Priam. Asius was the third, Asius the son of Hyrtacus, who brought his towering fiery steeds from Salus's stream hard by Arisba. Stout Aeneas led the fourth, and Chyses son Archilochus with him, and Acamas, and Tenor's sons, both skilled alike in every point of war. Of the far-famed allies, Sarpedon held the chief command, and for his comrades chose Asteropius, and the warlike might of Glaucus. These, or all the rest, he held preeminent in valour, save himself, who o'er them all superior stood confessed. These interlaced their shields of tough bull's hide, with eager step advanced, and deemed the Greeks would, unresisting, fall before their ships. The other Trojans and renowned allies, the words of wise Polydamus obeyed. But Asius, son of Hyrtacus, refused his horses and his charioteer to leave, with them advancing to assail the ships. Blind fool, unconscious, from before those ships escaped from death, with horses and with car triumphant to the breezy heights of Troy, he never shall return. Ill-omened fate, o'ershadowing, dooms him by the spear to fall of brave Idomeneus, Deucalion's son. He, toward the left, inclined, what way the Greeks with horse and chariot from the plain returned. That way he drove his horses, and the gates unguarded found, by bolt or massive bar. Their warders held them opened wide, to save, perchance, some comrade flying from the plain. Thither he bent his course, 
with clamours loud followed his troops nor deemed they that the greeks would hold their ground but fall amid their ships little they knew before the gates they found two men two warriors of the prime two sons illustrious of the spear-skilled lapithi stout polypetes one pyrithous son with whom leontius bold as blood-stained mars so stood these two before the lofty gates as on the mountain side two towering oaks which many a day have borne the wind and storm firm rifted by their strong continuous roots so in their arms and vigour confident those two great asius's charge undaunted met on the other side with shouts and wild uproar their bull's-hide shields uplifted high advanced against the well-built wall asius the king iamenus orestes acamas the son of asius and Enomaeus, and thoan those within to save the ships calling meanwhile on all the well-grieved greeks but when they saw the wall by trojans scaled and heard the cry of greeks in panic fear sprang forth those two before the gates to fight as when two boars upon the mountain side await the approaching din of men and dogs then sideways rushing snap the wood around ripped from the roots loud clash their clattering tusks till to the huntsman's spear they yield their lives so clattered on those champions brass-clad breasts the hostile weapons stubbornly they fought relying on their strength and friends above for from the well-built towers huge stones were hurled by those who for themselves their tents and ships maintained defensive warfare thick they fell as wintry snowflakes which upon the boisterous wind driving the shadowy clouds spreads fast and close o'er all the surface of the fertile earth so thick from grecian and from trojan hands the weapons flew on helm and bossy shield with grating sound the ponderous masses rang then deeply groaning as he smote his thigh thus spoke dismayed the son of hurtigus o father jove how hast thou loved our hopes to falsify who deemed not that the greeks would stand our onset and resistless arms but they as yellow-banded wasps or bees that by some rocky pass have built their nests abandoned not their caverned home but wait the attack and boldly for their offspring fight so from the gates these two though two alone retire not till they be o'ertain or slain he said 
But Jove regarded not his words, so much on Hector's triumph he was bent. Like battle raged round the other gates, but hard it were for me, with godlike power, to paint each several combat, for around the wall a more than human storm of stone was poured on every side. The Greeks, hard-pressed, perforce, fought for their ships, while all the gods looked on indignant who the Grecian cause upheld. Fiercely the Lapithi sustained the war. Stout Polypetes first, Pyrithous' son, smote through the brass-cheeked helmet, Damasus, nor stayed the brazen helm, the spear, whose point went crashing through the bone, that all the brain was shattered. Onward as he rushed, he fell. Then Pylon next, and Orminus he slew. Meantime, Leontius, scion true of Mars, struck with unerring spear, Hippomachus, son of Antimachus, below the waist. Then, drawing from the sheaf his trenchant sword, dashed through the crowd, and hand to hand he smote Antiphates. He backward fell to earth. Menon, Iamenus, Orestes next, in quick succession, to the ground he brought. From these, while they their glittering armor stripped, Round Hector thronged, and bold Polydamus, the bravest and the best, who longed the most to storm the wall and burn with fire the ships. Yet on the margin of the ditch they paused, for as they sought to cross, a sign from heaven appeared to leftward of the astonished crowd. A soaring eagle in his talons bore a dragon, huge of size, of blood-red hue, alive and breathing still, nor yet subdued. For, twisting backward through the breast, he pierced his bearer. Near the neck, he, stung with pain, let fall his prey, which dropped amid the crowd. Then, screaming, on the blast was borne away. The Trojans, shuddering, in their midst beheld the spotted serpent, dire portent of Jove. Then to bold Hector thus Polydamus. Hector, in counsel thou reprovest me oft for good advice. It is not meet, thou sayest, that Private men should talk beside the mark in council or in war, but study still thine honour to exalt. Yet must I now declare what seems to me the wisest course. Let us not fight the Greeks beside their ships, for thus I read the future, if indeed to us about to cross this sign from heaven was sent to leftward of the astonished crowd, a soaring eagle bearing in its claws a dragon, huge of size, of blood-red hue, alive 
yet dropped him ere he reached his home nor to his nestlings bore the intended prey so we e'en though our mighty strength should break the gates and wall and put the greeks to rout by the same road not scatheless should return but many a trojan on the field should leave slain by the greeks while they in their ships defend so would a seer well versed in augury worthy of public credit read this sign to whom thus hector of a glancing helm replied with stern regard polydamus this speech of thine is alien to my soul thy better judgment better counsel knows but if in earnest such is thine advice thee of thy senses hath the gods bereft who fain wouldst have us disregard the word and promise by the nod of jove confirmed and put our faith in birds expanded wings little of these i reck nor care to look if to the right and toward the morning sun or to the left and shades of night they fly put we our trust in jove's eternal will of mortals and immortals king supreme the best of omens is our country's cause why shouldst thou tremble at the battle strife though every trojan else were doomed to die beside the ships no fear lest thou shouldst fall unwarlike is thy soul nor firm of mood but if thou shrink or by thy craven words turn back another trojan from the fight my spear shall take the forfeit of thy life then jove the lightning's lord from ida's heights a storm of wind sent down driving the dust against the grecian ships which quelled their courage and to hector gave and to the trojans fresh incitement they on their own strength and heavenly signs relying their force addressed to storm the grecian wall they raised the counterscarp the battlements destroyed and the projecting buttresses which to sustain the towers the greeks had fixed deep in the soil with levers undermined these once withdrawn they hoped to storm the wall nor from the passage yet the greeks withdrew but closely fencing with their bull's hide shields the broken battlements they thence hurled down a storm of weapons on the foe beneath commanding from the tower in every place were seen the agencies urging to the fight imploring these and those in sterner tones rebuking who their warlike toil relaxed friends grecians all ye who excel in war and ye of moderate or inferior strength 
though all are not with equal powers endued, yet here is work for all. Bear this in mind, nor toward the ships let any turn his face, by threats dismayed, but forward press, and each encourage each. If so, the lightning's lord, Olympian Jove, may grant us to repel, and backward to his city chase the foe. Thus they, with cheering words, sustained the war. Thick as the snowflakes on a wintry day, when Jove, the lord of counsel, down on men his snowstorm sends, and manifests his power, hushed the winds, the flakes continuous fall, that on the high mountain-tops and jutting crags, and lotus-covered meads are buried deep, and man's productive labours of the field. On hoary ocean's beach and bays they lie, the approaching waves their bound. O'er all beside is spread by Jove the heavy veil of snow, so thickly flew the stones from either side, by Greeks on Trojans hurled, by these on Greeks, and clattered loud through all its length the wall. Nor yet the Trojans, though by Hector led, the gates had broken, and the massive bar. But Jove against the Greeks sent forth his son Sarpedon, as a lion on a herd. His shield's broad orb before his breast he bore, well wrought of beaten brass, which the armorer's hand had beaten out, and lined with stout bull's hide, with golden rods continuous all around. He, thus equipped, two javelins brandishing, strode onward as a lion, mountain-bred, whom fasting long his dauntless courage leads to assail the flock, though in well-guarded fold, and though the shepherds there he find, prepared with dogs and lances to protect the sheep, not unattempted will he leave the fold, but springing to the midst he bears his prey in triumph thence, or in the onset falls, wounded by javelins hurled by stalwart hands, so, prompted by his godlike courage, burned Sarpedon to assail the lofty wall and storm the ramparts. And to Glaucus, thus son of Hippolochus, his speech addressed. Whence is it, Glaucus, that in Lycian land we too at feasts the foremost seats may claim the largest portions and the fullest cups? Why held as gods in honour? Why endowed with ample heritage by Xanthus' banks of vineyard and of wheat-producing land? Then by the Lycians should we not be seen the foremost to affront the raging fight? So may our well-armed Lycians make their boast to no inglorious kings we Lycians owe allegiance. They on richest vines feed, of luscious-flavoured drink, the choicest wine, but still their valour brightest shows, and they, where Lycians war, 
are foremost in the fight. O oh, friend, if we, survivors of this war, could live from age and death forever free, thou shouldst not see me foremost in the fight, nor would I urge thee to the glorious field. But since on man ten thousand forms of death attend, which none may scape, then on, that we may glory on others' gain, or they on us. Thus he, nor Glaucus from his bidding shrank, and forward straight they led the Lycians' powers. Menestheus, son of Pateus, with dismay observed their movement, for on his command, inspiring terror, their attack was made. He looked around him to the Grecian towers, if any chief might there be found to save his comrades from destruction. There he saw, of war insatiable, the Aegises twain, and Teucer, from the tent but newly come, hard by, nor yet could reach them with his voice. Such was the din, such tumult rose to heaven from clattering shields, and horsehair-crested helms, and battered gates, now all at once assailed. Before them fiercely strove the assaulting band to break their way. He then Thawatis sent, his herald, to the Aegises craving aid. Haste thee, Thawatis, on the Aegises call, both if it may be, so we best may hope to scape the death which else is near at hand. So fierce the pressure of the Lycian chiefs, undaunted now as ever in the fight. But if they too are hardly pressed, at least let Ajax, son of Telamon, be spared, and with him Teucer, skilled to draw the bow. He said. The herald heard and straight obeyed. Along the wall where stood the brass-clad Greeks, he ran, and standing near the Aegises, said, Aegises, leader of the brass-clad Greeks, the son of heaven-born Pateus craves your aid to share a while the labours of his guard, both if it may be, so he best may hope to scape the death which else is near at hand, so fierce the pressure of the Lycian chiefs, undaunted now as ever in the fight. But if ye too are hardly pressed, at least let Ajax, son of Telamon, be spared and with him Teucer, skilled to draw the bow. He said, the mighty son of Telamon, consenting, thus addressed Oileus' son, Ajax, do thou and valiant Lyomede exhort the Greeks the struggle to maintain, while I go yonder to affront the war, to aid their need, and back return in haste. Thus saying, 
Ajax Telamon set forth, and with him Teucer went, his father's son, while by Pandion Teucer's bow was borne. At brave Menestheus' tower, within the wall arrived, sore pressed they found the garrison. For like a whirlwind on the ramparts poured the Lycians' valiant counsellors and chiefs. They quickly joined the fray, and loud arose the battle-cry. First Ajax Telamon, Sarpedon's comrade, brave Epicles slew, struck by a rugged stone within the wall, which lay the topmost of the parapet, of size prodigious, which with both his hands a man in youth's full vigour scarce could raise, as men are now. He lifted it on high, and downward hurled. The four-peaked helm it broke, crushing the bone, and shattering all the skull. He, like a diver from the lofty tower, fell headlong down, and life forsook his bones. Teucer, meanwhile, from off the lofty wall, the valiant Glaucus, pressing to the fight, struck with an arrow where he saw his arm unguarded he no longer brooked the fray back from the wall he sprang in hopes to hide from grecian eyes his wound that none might see and triumph o'er him with insulting words with grief sarpedon saw his friend withdraw yet not relaxed his efforts. Thestor's son, Alcmaeon, with his spear he stabbed, and back the weapon drew. He, following, prostrate fell, and loudly rang his arms of polished brass. Then, at the parapet, with stalwart hand, Sarpedon tugged, and yielding to his force down fell the block entire the wall laid bare to many at once the breach gave open way ajax and teucer him at once assailed this with an arrow struck the glittering belt around his breast whence hung his ponderous shield but Jove, who willed not that his son should fall before the ships, the weapon turned aside. Then forward Ajax sprang, and with his spear thrust at the shield. The weapon passed not through, yet checked his bold advance. A little space back he recoiled, but not the more withdrew his soul on glory intent, and, rallying quick, thus to the warlike Lycians shouted loud, Why, Lycians, thus your wanted might relax? Tis hard for one alone, how brave soe'er, e'en though he break the rampart down, to force a passage to the ships. But on with me! for work is here for many hands to do. He said, 
and by the king's rebuke abashed with fiercer zeal the lycians pressed around their king and counsellor on the other side within the wall the greeks their squadrons massed then were great deeds achieved nor through the breach could the brave troops of lycia to the ships their passage force nor could the warrior greeks repel the lycians from the ground for they before the wall had made their footing good as when two neighbors in a common field each line in hand within a narrow space about the limits of their land contend between them thus the rampart drew the line o'er which the full-orbed shields of tough bulls hide and lighter bucklers on the warriors breasts on either side they clove and many a wound the pitiless weapons dealt on some who turned their neck and back laid bare on many more who full in front and through their shields were struck on every side the parapet and towers with greek and trojan blood were spattered o'er nor yet e'en so the greeks to flight were driven but as a woman that for wages spins honest and true with wool and weights in hand in even balance holds the scales to meet her humble hire her children's maintenance so even hung the balance of the war till jove with highest honour hector crowned the son of priam he the foremost scaled the wall and loudly on the trojans called on valiant trojans on the grecian wall break down and wrap their ships in blazing fires thus he exhorting spoke they heard him all and to the wall rushed numberless and swarmed upon the ramparts bristling thick with spears then hector stooping seized a ponderous stone that lay before the gates twas broad below but sharp above and scarce two laboring men the strongest from the ground could raise it up and load upon a wain as men are now but he unaided lifted it with ease so light it seemed by grace of saturn's son as in one hand a shepherd bears with ease a full-sized fleece and scarcely feels the weight so hector toward the portals bore the stone which closed the lofty double folding gates within defended by two massive bars laid crosswise and with one cross bolt secured 
close to the gate he stood and planting firm his foot to give his arm its utmost power full on the middle dashed the mighty mass the hinges both gave way the ponderous stone fell inwards widely gaped the opening gates nor might the bars within the blow sustain this way and that the severed portals flew before the crashing missile dark as night his lowering brow great hector sprang within bright flashed the brazen armor on his breast as through the gates two javelins in his hand he sprang the gods accept no power might meet that onset blazed his eyes with lurid fire then to the trojans turning to the throng he called aloud to scale the lofty wall they heard and straight obeyed some scaled the wall some through the strong-built gates continuous poured while in confusion irretrievable fled to their ships the panic-stricken greeks end of book twelve